Powered by Rev Media in partnership with TSN, it is Season 5. This is Episode 3 of the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast, and it is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. Ray Ferraro, we have former teammate, old teammate of yours, Steve Steos, who's now the newly minted president of hockey operations for the Ottawa Senators. He's going to join us in a bit from Truro, Nova Scotia, where the Sens are working their way through that great province in the preseason. And, you know, you would know this. Um, and often when we have former players on here, especially teammates of yours, we'll talk after the fact about how, ah, could you see it coming? You know, so if you rewind the clock and take us back to your days in Atlanta with Steve Steos, you know, could you envision at that time just – how he approached the game, his thinking, all of that, that one day he'd be the president of hockey operations for an NHL team? Uh, I would say no to the president stuff, Mm -hmm. like to the upper, upper management. Um, If you would have said, do you think he would be a coach? I would have said 100%. Okay. Like he, even as a younger player, he had that demeanor. He had that... um, like that interest in in how things were being run, mm-hmm. and and not everybody does. Like you know, a lot of players go to the rink and do their thing, and they're focused in, and then they go home. But you just don't see them as a coach, and and so I I thought that's what Steve. I I could easily see Steve getting into that sort of that pathway. The the management stuff I I think became a little more clear as you know, I started to broadcast and I was in Edmonton when he was there and you could just see that he had a command without really trying to have one. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a very, um, he's, he's just a very upfront sort of person. And I, 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 I'm, I was not surprised when he went, when he went into the management side in Hamilton and junior, mm-hmm. um, that just seemed to be the right thing. You know, I'm happy for Ottawa, uh, mostly the city and the fan base, because now all of the ownership nonsense over the years is is behind them, right? right. Pierre Dorian, management group, the coaching staff have done a real nice job in getting that team to where they're at right now. And there's nothing but promise ahead. Now, they've got to prove it on the ice. But then you take it up a notch and you look at the layering, Right. And it does matter to have an owner of the substance of Michael Ann Lauer and, you know, the other minority investors that, that he has along with them. And likewise, the hiring of Steve Steos as president of hockey operations, right? Because if you don't have stability at the top, then the whole foundation of your organization can erode pretty quickly. Well, for, for sure it can and does. And one of the things that Ottawa has been working with the last little while is a, you know, a, a pretty skeleton sta- staff. Yeah. And so you have lots of people doing lots of things and the fact that they're going to be able to support and backfill their, you know, the positions in their organization um, will make them, you know, will make them a better, a better group just by almost yeah. by default. Now don't forget, like, you know, Steve's the president and with the presidency, goes the the business side a lot of it is the business side as well as supporting the hockey side right and you know in short order once the season starts um you know the focus goes to the ice but the focus is also on what's happening with the building what will Mm -hmm. they 
what does the future of the senators have off the ice? And a lot of that will be stuff that Steve works on, and um, it's going to be a busy time for him. We'll check in with Steve Stales, the president of Hockey Operations for the Ottawa Senators, in just a moment. Time for our Tim Hortons headlines. Hey, Canada, Tim's NHL trading cards are back with an all-new set, so get ready to unpack these beauties. Score your favorite hockey stars. You can grab them before they're gone. They are available now only at Tim's. Connor Bedard, Gray, uh, seems like a constant theme, right? You know, and, and until we allow this young man to settle in as an NHL player and how long that takes, you know, that'll be up to Bedard and, and developmentally where he's at. But we do have to pay close attention to what he's doing now because this is mm -hmm. our sample size. So Bedard has five points in three preseason games. We know he can shoot the puck. We've seen that. Um, but he's drawing attention now in the early goings for his hockey IQ and for his playmaking ability. I mean, so what does that suggest to you? Yes, of course, there's a ton of work before we can anoint this kid as an NHL star or superstar, but man, the toolbox looks pretty full based on what we're seeing at this stage of his NHL career. Sure. Um, you know, like I've, I've known of Bedard since he was seven or eight years old. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he was always just, um, I, I would say two things were always talked about with him was that you could never get him away from the game. And, you know, like his, his love and passion to, when you're a kid, it's not work, but I'll say work on the things that have helped him become what he is already. Mm -hmm. But he just loved to do it all the time. And the second thing was just this, this ability that he had. But, if you don't if you don't have a way to implement those tools and gifts that you have then you you know a lot of it slides out the backside and man he i think the iq what you can see is uh, i have this phrase i i like to use it he sees the next play before it happens yeah and so as the puck's coming to him he can see where the next play is and Really great players have that ability. A lot of players need the puck to come to them, mm -hmm. and then they look up, and then they find the next play, and sometimes you can make it, and sometimes you can't because everything goes so fast. And Connor seems to be able to have that ability. He certainly has had it all the way through his junior career. Now, look, he can only play the game that's in front of him. The, right. You know, yeah. the, the next stage is going to be – you know, you're playing against full-time NHL players and that's in the regular season. And then after Thanksgiving, it's going to, uh, U.S. Thanksgiving, it's going to jump another another gear. And then you get into the, you know, the dead portion of the season where everybody's just kind of slogging along. And then it's the playoff rush. And all those steps are all going to be part of, of Connor's learning experience. But the fact that he can see the game is going to help him win. Yeah. His legs aren't quite there that night or the Blackhawks are getting run over on a particular night. Um, that, that stuff helps you drive through what, what are the tougher times. A contract signing this week, Ray, in Anaheim, Trevor Zegras signs a, a three-year contract. Well, we'll ask uh, Steve Steos of the Ottawa Senators about Shane Pinto um, coming up in a, in a few minutes. But Zegras missed two weeks in that contract stalemate. Mm -hmm. Um, now he's talking about, after he gets the deal, he's talking about how important it is 
for him to to work on his two-way game. He wants to be a better two-way forward. And I don't know Greg Cronin very well, the new coach of, of the Anaheim Ducks, but that's part of his MO, right? There aren't too many NHL head coaches that don't want everybody to be solid defensively. Um, are you skeptical with Trevor Zegras, or do you think that this kid – yeah, he means what he says. He's going to put in the work, and he's going to try and become an all-around better player. No, I'm not skeptical at all. And one of the reasons I'm not is that um, I wouldn't say Jack Hughes is going to win the Selkie Trophy anytime soon. Yeah, But I, I see a lot of parallels between the creativity of Jack Hughes and, and the creativity of Trevor Zegras. And when you have that ability – Really, all that they're asking from you is to be adequate. Mm. <laughs> they're, not, they're not asking you to check somebody into the ground. Right. They got other guys that can do that. And if they don't, they should go find them. Yeah. Because you, you need to be able to have the puck on your stick. Well, one of the things you learn um, as you get a little bit older is the better you are without it, the more time you have with it. Mm -hmm. and, and that's one thing that I, I think is a fair criticism of Zegras. Um, the other part is, do you want to be a centerman or do you want to be a winger? Mm. Because if you want to be a centerman, in a lot of cases, you're going to have to do, you know, a, a little bit more work without the puck. Um, I, I know there's criticism of Zegris. You know, some people don't like the way that he plays the game because there's such a flair to him. I, I don't care. I, I think the kid is uh, an incredibly you. talented player. And... Yes, it's Greg Cronin's job in Anaheim to help him become a more well-rounded player. And Trevor's got to accept that. If he wants to be thought of in among the best players in the league, he's going to have to be better in that regard. And the other thing I think we maybe overlook with these guys is, is he 22? Yeah. Yeah, there's a maturity yeah, yeah, thing he, there, right? I mean, yeah, that's and, fine. And it, and it comes. Yeah, Drake's, yeah. and it does happen. It does happen. And uh, I think in a lot of cases, you know, we look at players at that age and think they're a finished product and they're, you know, certainly when you're at their level, there's always a little bit more because they can do more than the average player. Right. Uh, I had an exchange recently with Rob Blake, the general manager of the Los Angeles Kings. Um, and you know what? You go through it, you know, you do your, your preseason prep and then game by game, you're prepping and all that. I, I feel like from an Eastern perspective, a team like the Los Angeles Kings will somewhat get overlooked. And I'm, I'm looking sure. at this club and I'm looking at them. And, I, and the reason I started aside from the obvious of just doing the preseason prep is I, I'm trying to formulate ideas. Okay. Where might be the best fit for Patrick Kane when, when he's healthy enough, be it in November, December, whenever that happens to be. Um, so I, I have this exchange with Blakey and it's, it's more about, are you loaded up front? Like, are you set up front was the word that I use set. Um, cap space is always going to be an, uh, an issue, uh, certainly for LA, for a lot of teams that may have interest. He said they're set up front. The cap space is an issue. But then I got looking at, at that team. Are they getting enough credit at this point? Or is it just it's the preseason and we're not digging in on anything? Could LA be maybe better than what some would expect at this stage? Well, I... Man, I think that's a really good team. I, when, yeah. when I talk about the Western Conference and, and in particular the, the, the top end of it, you, you know, you got Vegas and Edmonton and, 
I put LA there too. LA yeah. is, they're a really, really good team. Um, now, can Cam Talbot stay healthy in goal? I don't know. Is Phoenix Copley going to be able to replicate the year that he had last year? I mean, yeah. every team has a question somewhere. Right. And I, I don't think in, you know, it's not a stretch to say in LA it's in goal. Mm -hmm. um, and part of it is that, you know, Talbot's 35 years old and has had a little bit of a history of, of injury over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, they need to keep him healthy. Um, but that team doesn't give up a lot of chances. They've, it's been in their DNA for well over a decade um, that they defensively, they, they make it real hard for you. You're, you're going up against them and there's not many teams going to match up against Dubois, Kopitar and Deno up the middle of the ice. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's about as strong as you're going to get. And as hard as it's going to be to play through those guys as anyone else. I mean, that's, right. Certainly the Edmonton, you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid are at a, you know, they're at another level. But to play through all three of those guys, if you're a centerman, is is going to be a chore. I, I think L.A. is very, very good. Yeah. Well, you know what? As we look ahead to Friday, episode four of the Ray and Dregs podcast, maybe that's what we'll do. We're drifting into next week, right? We'll, we'll take a look at each conference and, you know, maybe the safe bets, the teams that we know are going to be good. Um, you know, get your thoughts on maybe a surprise, like a team that you feel is ready to to kick it up another notch mm -hmm. on on both sides. I mean, one of them is is obviously Ottawa, um, but we'll do a deeper dive in episodes yeah. coming up here before the start of the regular season. Um, Tuesday night, as we record here Wednesday morning, Ray, watch the Capitals and the Boston Bruins five four overtime win for oh. the Washington Capitals. And as I'm watching this. I'm kind of intrigued by the Caps because I don't have a true read on this team. Right. I don't. I'm like, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm seeing the sum of the parts, maybe like the pieces look, you know, given the experience of Ovechkin and Kiznetsov and Backstrom and go down the list, you know that they're going to be competitive. I just don't know. I don't have a good read, comparatively speaking, on where they're going to be. Are you kind of in that camp as well? Or... Are you leaning towards Washington taking a step back or the opposite, you know, being that competitive, potentially contending group? Well, I, I, I think they've, I think they are kind of reloading a little bit here. They're, they're clearly going to try and take a last run or two here while as, as they should with the Vetchkin and yeah, you know, the, the veteran players you mentioned along with TJ Oshie and yeah, yeah. but when your when your team is built around the older players as they are, um, there are some major question marks that always pop up. One of them, of course, is health. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, outside of Ovechkin, everybody gets hurt as they get older. I mean, he's you know he's a truck. He just doesn't seem to get hurt very often. Um, you know, he's what seventy plus goals away from. The goal record, it's going to be, it's an odd thing that there's going to be so much focus on whether yeah. Ovechkin can get to that record. It's almost like the Caps are secondary in that pursuit. Um, the other danger is you you look at them, you read those names, and you think of them four years ago. And, you know, time wins every time. Mm -hmm. Every time. And, you know, Nick Backstrom came back after that hip resurfacing uh, surgery he had, uh, which was the surgery that Patrick Kane had. 
And Backstrom was never a quick, elusive skater anyway. Right. But, I mean, it's a really hard goal. Um, what can Nick Backstrom give them? Because Netsov had a real down year for them. Is he able to bounce back? And, you know, last year they missed John Carlson for most of the year with that horrific injury he had. And so all these things add up to, I don't really know. I don't, they, they don't seem like a team that you would fear. Yeah. Except is that, is that too dismissive of a team that I, I still think is going to, I think they're going to be right around the cut line, but, but man, that that's going to get crowded in a hurry. I, I said it the other day, those, um, those young teams, Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit, they're going to tip the apple cart over either this year or next year. It's, it's coming. And when they do, there's going to be some longtime regular teams that are going to be out. All right. Those are your headlines presented by Tim Hortons. Tim's NHL trading cards are back. Unpack the thrill. Score your favorite icons with an all-new set. Get yours before they're gone. Only at Tim's. Our interviews on Ray and Dregs this year brought to you by Canadian Club Whiskey. Introducing the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series. So it's CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask. Delicious. Signature CC Classic 12-year-old whiskey finished with a secondary aging in the Oloroso Sherry Cask. So all the hallmarks of classic Canadian Club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. All right, we're uh, pleased to be joined on the Ray and Dregs Hockey Podcast by Steve Steos, who's now the president of Hockey Operations. Ray, as you know, with the uh, Ottawa Senators, you're joining us from Truro, Nova Scotia, where the Ottawa Senators are are uh, entertaining fans there locally through this preseason. But does it kind of feel like you're drinking out of the end of a fire hose, Steve? You know, everything that's been thrown at you since taking over the position of uh, president of Hockey Ops? A good way to describe it, Dregs, for sure, uh, but enjoying every minute of it. But, um, you know, I think it's day five or six on the job for me. Um, so certainly a, a lot to a lot to get to uh, here early. But more, most importantly, is just to, to build the relationships uh, with the staff and the players and and being around uh, being around the group. I think we've talked a lot. You know, Michael Landlauer has talked a lot about culture and and uh, communication and caring. And um, so really at this point in time, and then, you know, it's, it's been, it's been terrific. We've had a couple of days here uh, off days in between preseason games and really getting to know the staff. Um, is, is that really the first step of it, Steve, is just try to get a handle on who's who and who does what and whatever your path forward might be out of that. Yeah, exactly. Ray. I think for me to get to know, uh, get to know the people in their positions and, and, and what they do. And it'll give me a better idea of uh, how things have been running and, and where we may need some more immediate support in some areas mm. and, uh, and, and just a longer term vision as well. But I think until I can get in on the day to day and get the engine running here, uh, that'll be, that'll be the first step. Well, I, I think most people probably have an understanding of how important ownership um, is to a to an organization but you said something there about bringing in support and the fact that uh, Michael Landlauer's group has funding and pockets enough to bring support has to maybe change the way the senators can look at what they can do as opposed to what they've been able to do off the ice 
Yeah, I'm really hoping that's the case because, uh, and not just on, you know, funding and 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 bringing more people. And sometimes more isn't better. It's it's just uh, you know, um, looking at each area to guide it with the lines of communication, really maximize each area of it. I'll give you an example uh, uh, where we've, we're off to a good start is. Uh, uh, we've hired Sean Tierney, who I, I worked with on the analytics side, mm. and I hired Sean back in Hamilton, um, you know, I guess it was six years ago now. And, and uh, uh, we used him exclusively with the Bulldogs until he uh, until he moved on to Sport Logic. Now, he now he's in a position that we didn't have before, really. And so mm. uh, how he can build up on that department. I think is very exciting. I think that's another differentiator for us and moving us in the right direction. But that's just an example, and I'm, I'm going to look to see how we can we can do that. Not necessarily bringing people in, like I said, but how we can do that in each area of the organization. When you uh, you mentioned Hamilton, when you were hired in Hamilton, and then your role grew to include just about everything there. Um, what did you what did you maybe think you knew that turned out that you didn't that you're able to apply? into this job? Well, it's a, it's a good question. I think, you know, I have, you guys know me, there's some humility to me. I always feel like I don't, I don't really know. And, and I, and I work that way. And, and, uh, um, you know, going into the president role in junior hockey, um, you know, I was working in the NHL with the Toronto Maple Leafs player development. It's, 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 it's natural for, for a player to be able to go and do that. And then when, when, you know, I decided to leave Toronto and come to Hamilton and Michael said, you know, you'd be the president of the team and, you know, you run the hockey team, but you also run the business ops. I mean, it was all speaking of, you know, drinking through a fire hose. That was my first experience post playing career where it was coming, it was coming hot and heavy, you know? Um, uh, but you figure it out quickly and you, you stick to your core principles on, on how you do things. Um, so I, I learned a lot. It was an interesting time, guys, because I, I didn't know. It was a big decision to leave the NHL to go back to junior. Uh, you know, I, I was on a decent path that way post-playing career and working with a great organization in Toronto. Um, and it was the best thing that I could have done because I've been able to build your own program. So um, I, I learned, a, I guess the question is, Ray, I, I learned a lot about every area of the organization. You had a support role in Edmonton, Steve. Um, so what are some of the takeaways? What did you learn in working closely with Kenny Holland and the group in Edmonton that maybe helped put you in a position where you feel real strong and comfortable about taking on the role in Ottawa? Definitely feel more confident going into this role after my year uh, in Edmonton. Um, you know, working with Ken Holland was uh, – you, you, you just – you, you learn a lot about, uh, you know, just the way he deals on the day to day, his vision, his ability to execute um, uh, on, on the greater picture as well. But uh, he's just, as you know, he's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. He's an impressive gentleman, uh, you know, away from the rank. He's, uh, mm -hmm. he's an astute hockey guy, uh, obviously. And uh, I think the one thing that I was really impressed by, because he's been at it for a long time, was how he's evolved as a manager, his ability to communicate and connect with the players was extraordinary. Um, and so uh, I learned a lot from Kenny. I think also just, just his ability to steady the ship, you know, like in, inevitably there's going to be times through an NHL season where things aren't going well and there's going to be mm -hmm. pressure points. And, 
it was just it was it was really cool to see how he he handled those situations so steve now that's a that's a good jump point to to you guys in ottawa right now is for really the first time in a long time people are looking at this team and and they can see that the road in front of it is really pretty terrific mm-hmm. if if thing if the blocks fall the way they you hope they do how do you keep the ship steady with Pierre Dorian and now you got DJ Smith and you know people are going to be talking about if you get out three and six and one or something or other that oh gee do you need to make a change here do you need a new coach do you how do you steady a ship through it's six and a half seven months it's not six games yeah I I wouldn't I wouldn't expect anything like that. I mean, again, just on the point that I touched on with Kenny, like when, when there's tough times, you kind of, you, you stick, stick with it and stick with your group, uh, help them work through those times. I think that's, that'll be part of my job, you know, to be able to go, go through it. Um, it's an exciting time in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. I, it, it is these, these young players, the way that they compete, the character, uh, the closeness of the group, as I'm learning right now, it's a very exciting time. Um, it's one thing to get a team to this level. Um, we need to continue to work at it. There's still a lot of work to do uh, for us to, to, to break through. Um, but there's so many encouraging signs. Uh, we're excited to get started here. But as far as the ups and downs, I think I've built a lot of scar tissue over the years where you're able to, you know, be able to be comfortable leading leading this group and uh, um, and making sure you're not making any rash or emotional decisions. Well, does scar tissue start out when <laughs> you find out you're playing right wing on the original Thrashers <laughs> and you're a defenseman? <laughs> I remember asking you, Stevie, I go, well, how much forward have you played? And you're like, well, really none. And, you know, a little bit, it, you know, you go, I hope you'll be able to tell, like, just when you're in St. Louis, going back and forth in the bench. <laughs> oh Christ! I mean, we, uh, it was. Uh, I guess you know what? Though, in all seriousness, though, my my career, not the most talented player. Right? That's enough said. You don't have to go any further than that. But, <laughs> but, but you know, you you you, you got to be able to adapt. And I think that's one thing post playing career, just being able to adapt to. Uh, uh, to certain situations, but uh, yeah, that that time in my <laughs> I, I was doing anything like in the league. So coaches like you're you're out of the lineup, you're in the lineup, you're on the bike, you're playing right wing. I was doing it, I was doing it. Um, but yeah, there was times, especially with, with Mike Keenan in Vancouver, where um, you know I'm I'm dressed as a forward, and, right. and was an emotional guy, you know. And so uh, I remember one time in particular, Yerke Lume had a, was a terrific player. Uh, Yerke had a had a turnover, and I'm just I'm I'm this pin in the middle of the bench, right? And uh, and and Mike's losing it on Yerke, and then he kicks me in the back, goes, and he's yelling while he's yelling at Yerke, kicks me in the back, and says, "Steve, go down there and show him how to play defense." So I had to stand up and kind of sh- shuffle my way down. <laughs> I'd get one shift on defense, about 15 seconds, he pulled me off, and then he called me up on forward. I had to stand up, excuse me, boys, and try. <laughs> To the point, and I was a younger player at the time, and so much respect for the veterans on the team that I actually pulled Trevor Linden aside after the game. And I said, "You know, I, I," and he said, "We get it, we get it." But uh, no, it was uh, it was. Cool. 
<laughs> so hey, let me let me ask you. I mean, we were we were on that first team in Atlanta where it's hard to win 14 games in an 82 game year, but you know we we managed to do it. Um, when you're when you look back at the you know the way you came through the early part of your career to become such a respected and leaned upon player in Edmonton. Um, can you even believe those years in Atlanta? I mean, like I, I, you were the captain the second year. I was the captain the third year. I, I, I look at that, Steve, and I, I sometimes look at the team picture and I just laugh at like, man, we tried so hard. We were just no good. We, we had good guys, didn't we? Like, we, oh, we would lay it on the line every night. But, uh, but, but in all seriousness, Razor, like you, you know, in my position now, and you go and you you build a team in junior. Now you're in a situation where you're, you know, I'm in the role that I'm in, but didn't we learn more in, in those years? Like we learned more yeah. from maybe how not to do things or how to do things, you know, with, with that experience. So I thought that was, you know, as trying as it was at times, I thought it was an incredibly valuable experience for my, you know, for, for my playing career, but also uh, in, in my role now. I'm I'm going to tell one quick story, Drake. Um, okay. Yeah. So Stevie plays the first year. He's up front. He's on the blue line. We're going through players all over the place. Players are coming in. Players are going out. We don't even know who. Honestly, a lot of the players are. But the, they made a big deal about how we added skill in the second year in the off season. So, but now Steve's our captain, and he's on defense. And Steve, I don't know if you remember the first shift of the second year. Because it it encapsulates the thrashers in like this is our lines up front. Steve and Chris Tamer are on the blue line, and I win the draw, and it goes to Thames, and he goes to shoot it off the glass on the far side. He shoots it into the crowd. This is the new skilled thrashers. The face off was four seconds. We were dying on the ice, and Tamer just kind of shrugged his shoulders and he went, "Sorry, boys." I think he might have even been inside our blue line. It would have been a penalty in today's day. It was so funny. We're like, "Oh well, let's keep her moving." Anyway, and it improved from there. I trust her. Not really. Well, well, yeah, because we won way more games the second year. <laughs> more than 14 <laughs> all right steve we'll uh we'll let you go here momentarily but a couple of things um you know we've learned and heard so much about michael and lauer uh the ownership style that he's going to bring to the national hockey league and and the ottawa senators you've had great success with michael we know this um what what would be something we wouldn't know or you know what might an ottawa senators fan uh, expect from Michael Anlauer at this point, based on your experience with him. I th honestly, Dregs, I think what what you see is what you get. He, he was his his press conferences, media availabilities. He he's speaking to everybody and you guys the same way that he speaks to us and our coaches. And yeah. he's got a great positive. He's incredibly passionate. Um, he's incredibly competitive. Uh, my relationship is strong with him, but there's a serious level of accountability. Like it's, mm -hmm. I think behind the scenes, I think what people will understand is like, you know, I, I'm going to be held accountable and, uh, and he's a great guy to work with and for, but um, I got a lot of work to do and there's expectations for sure. Um, but I don't think there's anything 
because of just the way you, you've seen him and heard from Michael, I don't think there's anything that you don't know about him. Anything coming in the next uh, few days on the Shane Pinto situation? I know every time I do Ottawa radio or radio in general, that's the name that you know people want to talk about. So uh, you're working on it. I'm sure Pierre Dorian is working hard on it as well, but do you sense something might be close? Uh, well, and, and that's, I think the one thing that we haven't talked about is, is Pierre's the general manager and that hasn't changed for him and right. he's on the day to day. And what I won't do is comment on, on, uh, some of the things that he's working, working on. I don't want to confuse the situation. It's better to come from one, one guy and it's going to come from our general manager on that. No, I know that people are interested in it, obviously. Um, but uh, that's a question for Pierre. Beautiful. All right, Steve. Well, we appreciate you taking the time. Um, whatever time you have left in Nova Scotia, enjoy it. It looks like it's been a pretty good trip for you guys. It's been great. Yeah, we went. We were at Fox Harbor yesterday. Oh, oh. Wow. How, how'd you, how'd that go? How'd you play? Pretty good. Pretty good, Ray. Thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> I know you do. Stevie's got a good game. Well, Does he? Oh, oh, yeah. No. I honestly, I, I here's the, here's the here's the thing that I've just come to to accept is I use rental clubs and they're regular flex. Oh, and yeah. that's, oh. that's what I need now. I got yeah. to the age. I can't swing it hard enough with it. So, but I kept it straight. I kept it straight. And, and Good uh, for you. we had some beautiful weather, um, but it was awesome. Like get the, it, that's the environment that I think is in particular for, for myself coming in at this time to be able to be around the staff and the players and really get to know them. You know, it, you guys know, like it's one thing to be around the rink, but they're all they're focused on getting ready for practice and doing their thing. But it was, uh, I thought it was a really, really good couple of days for us. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you taking time, Steve, and uh, have a great and successful season with Ottawa. I appreciate it. Great seeing you guys. Uh, congrats, Steve, and all the best. Eh? Thanks, Ray. Okay, take care, guys. No. Stevie Stales playing a beautiful golf course, Fox Harbor, with the fine people, the Ottawa Senators. Now, he didn't give us the score, but he indicated that he had a pretty good game. And you acknowledged, Ray, that Stales, is, he's got game, right? He can oh, he, he was in the player. 70s for sure. He was okay. in the 70s for sure. Wow. I did laugh when he said he used regular clubs. <laughs> a regular, regular shaft. shaft. Yeah, yeah. So a couple years ago, I, I'm at the range and – uh, our pro was there and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting a lesson. He's got the little track man thing out there. It's really kind of fun, right? You know, it makes you feel like you're actually half decent when you're not. Yeah. And uh, I said, I'm not hitting it as far. You know, I, I don't, and he goes, well, let's take a look, see what the numbers say. He goes, Oh, that's because your swing speeds down four miles an hour. <laughs> I'm like, but I'm swinging as hard as I can. <laughs> it's just the way it goes, man. Just the uh, way it goes. So good. But again, we're, we're creatures of habit, but that's a, a, a perfect illustration of the game, the way Steos described. Like rental clubs, you know, yeah. you and I have our clubs and, you know, very particular about a putter, very particular about the driver and all of those things. But then, you know, you go to a golf course, yeah, I don't feel like hauling my clubs across country or wherever, so I'm just going to rent and, and, and have a wonderful game. So maybe we have to take a little bit less serious moving well, forward, Raymond. I think with well, that's <laughs> I don't think anyone would think any different if if you could lower your own expectation and yeah. just go play, yeah. oh you'd be way better. 
but we all think we're, I don't know, whatever. We think we're half decent at it. But um, Stevie's a competitive guy. Um, always had, you know, he was a survivor. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about, and I just love the visual of him moving back and forth while Keenan's yelling at him, get up to the forwards, go back to the D. And he's got to walk past the guys. And like he, he was able to carve out a career that when he got to Edmonton, he was like a rock on that blue line. Sure was. And, and, you know, and then he gets into the management in Hamilton with Michael Landlauer owning the team in Hamilton. Yeah. And, you know, so that relationship was built through the years Steve was there. And it wasn't just hockey. I remember him telling me one time, you know, all of a sudden it was like, oh, I got to, I got to look after the billets, like for the kids. Like it, it was every step drags of that organization that, yeah. you know, fell onto his plate. And so, this will be familiar but different in mm -hmm. in Ottawa, and um, they've they've hired a a really really capable and good person um, to be the president of their team. Savvy, savvy interview too, right? Like I I, yeah. I wasn't trying to trip him up. We got to ask the pertinent questions, yeah. and a Shane Pinto update needed to be asked. But how about it? Like he didn't even waver. It was just like. Uh, yeah, I'm just not going to answer that. I'm not going to comment on that because that's not my department. That's Pierre Dorian. And, you know, I just, <laughs> but it was fantastic. It was perfect. Yeah. You know what? And also, I think for uh, a market in Ottawa that is just so enthused and yeah. um, <clears throat> so excited, the reason I think that's really important is that, you know, the the new owner, that means change. And, you know, yeah. it's part of Steve's job is, as he mentioned, you know, that he saw with Ken Holland is to, uh, in Edmonton is to just kind of tamper the, yeah. the enthusiasm a little bit to just, this is my job. That's Pierre's job. That's DJ's job. And, um, and I, and I think it's really important because it, it won't take long for, you know, if things go a little bit sideways out of the gate for the waters yeah. to get choppy and really there's no need for them to be, but no. the heightened expectation and the fact that Steve's there, make things choppy by nature, but man, that's a good team. And I, Ooh. I, I really think, um, I, I have a tough time. I'm just gonna say, I really think they're about a playoff spot, but I really have a tough time deciding between them and Buffalo. I really I'm with do. You. And, I'm, with and you. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching both of those teams. Cause they're, if they don't make it both this year, they're both making it next year. Like they're they are yeah. right there. Those are those are good teams. All right, time for ask Ray and Riggs anything. You can send us your questions on Twitter and Instagram at Ray and Riggs, or on the website RayandDregs.com. We have time for a couple, maybe three questions. So, um, how about a fun one from Ken Fitzgerald to get us going, Ray? Name a player that you were surprised at how skilled they were from both your playing days, and maybe a player now that you're watching between the benches where you're like, Ooh, I didn't, I, I mean, you can see how skilled they are, but I didn't realize how fast or whatever it is. Is there two guys that come to mind? One that you played with and another one that, you know, we, we watch as, as uh, fans now. Hmm. Um, playing wise, th this may sound a little goofy, but I'm going to say Pat flatly. Oh. Um, he was just a, war horse on on the boards like he right. was just like unbeatable but he had 
I'm going to put him and Kevin Deneen in the same box because Kevin was a little bit similar, like just a ferocious competitor. And I wouldn't say they had silky smooth skill, <laughs> but skill nonetheless. They, yeah. yeah, but they would make a play and you'd go, oh, I didn't know that was there. Wow. Like I didn't know they could make that. And so they they would never be considered skill players in the, you know, in the big pot of NHL players. But and they were they had something that, you know, you were like, oh, I I just didn't know that. Another guy I would say, because he was busy running people over all the time, was John LeClaire. Right. And, and John yeah. LeClaire had really great hands. But that line, you, the only thing you noticed was they ran over top of you. Yeah. <laughs> they just they steamrolled you. As for today, oh, God, th- those questions are hard. There's so many players that kind of jump out at you. Um, Devon Taves is is better than I thought he was. Yeah. When I first saw him, I'm like, oh, my God, he is way better. I knew he was a good skater. Sneaky but, good trade, right? Oh, really? I think just a couple of draft picks. Yeah. And, and uh, he he would be a guy that um, okay. I, I, I would say jumps out for me. See, I like that, though, because it, it, that wouldn't be as obvious as, you know, pick any high-skilled player on every team in the league. And maybe it's pretty obvious that that's the player that you identify with, but you know, you know, who's one player, you know, who's one player and he's, I mean, he's one of the best players in the league, but I just didn't see him being as dominant a player as he is. And that's Braden point. Mm. I think he, especially when healthy, right? Oh, he is an amazing player. Yeah. I just, I just didn't see it. You know, who told me about him was, in the we were doing the world junior team, Al Murray, who was uh Tampa's head scout for for years and years. Um, he said, This kid is he's going to be the best player on huh. on this team, Canada team. And he was as it went through the tournament, and then third round pick, and they hit gold there. Yeah, all right. We have a Red Wings fan checking into Ray and Driggs on Ask Ray and Driggs anything. <clears throat> Dylan Reagan, do you guys feel that Steve Eiserman did enough? this off season. And he left the players that, that were brought in, you know, Debrinket, of course, Petrie Comfer, Costin Sprong, Fisher, Gostas Bear. Um, and did Eisman do enough to make the jump to the playoffs after an eight year absence? I have them third behind Buffalo and Ottawa. You know, yeah. as I just said, I, yeah. I don't know if it's Ottawa, Buffalo or Buffalo, Ottawa, but I have Detroit third in that uh, grouping of teams that are, that are coming up the chain. Um, I do now when you say, does he do, did he do enough? I mean, you just listed eight players. It's a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. Um, the, the biggest, the biggest thing I, I think I look at in Detroit's roster is there is no true number one center. Yeah. I mean, I think Dylan Larkin, if you were to really pick him, I think that would be his, that would be his ace's place. So I I wonder if, if that's something that, you just, I mean, where are you going to find a number one center? They're just, they're not floating around. No. And so um, I, I wonder about that. And I wonder if they're, you know, like if, if their D is quick enough. Um, you know, some, some of their D are bigger and a little heavier footed. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I wonder if, if, they're, if they're able to, to play around that too. Excellent. So I, I guess I don't really, I don't really have an answer. I will say I think he did enough, 
Mm-hmm. Is it is it enough? I don't know. You know, that's. I mean, we got eighty-two games to find. They're out. better, but is it enough? You're right. Right. We don't know yes. that. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Dylan. We'll check back and ask Green Dragons anything on on Friday, and perhaps take another couple, three, four more. See how it goes. What's the rest of the week look like for you? Well, Dregs, it's six forty-nine a.m. in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, you you so, and Zuby had to get up early this morning. Oh yeah, boy, that was, was a. a Early, early, early. That was a curse the alarm day. Um, get the kids off to school, do a little reading. Um, um, baseball playoff time. So I'll be watching some of that when of I'm course. riding a bike today. Yeah. Um, but it's honestly, it, even though the season hasn't started, it feels like it started now. Oh, I'm sure yeah. for you, you yeah. know, you've been on the air. I haven't been on the air yet, but it's, it's prep time and getting ready for you know, for next, next Tuesday, which is my first game, the first game of the first day of the season. So yeah. we have a triple header on ESPN and, um, you know, it starts in Tampa and then, uh, I'm in, I'm in Pittsburgh for Bedard's first game. And then they go, you know, where our third game's out in Vegas with, uh, with the banner raising. So nice. it'll, it'll hit fast on Tuesday. That's for sure. So this week's work. I think we both have played probably our last rounds of golf. You know what, Drake? No, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I said it was my last round. I played really good, so I'm gonna play Friday again. Oh, good for you! I'm gonna drop Riley off at school. I think I'm gonna be able to stop the car to push him <laughs> out because I got a tight turnaround to the tee time, yeah. and then uh, pick him up on the way home. So Friday will Friday will be a will be the end of it for me. Well, so what an experience I had this week, Monday, um, wooden sticks in Uxbridge, Ontario, as I think a dozen replica holes, right? Amen Corner, mm. you name it. Just a beautiful facility. Um, somehow, somebody will have to get you out there at some point. But my buddy Bob Doyle's 60th birthday, so a group of us went and uh, played golf on Monday, stayed overnight, played poker. Uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the end of the year where my give up beep meter just doesn't register. But I always play my best golf at the end of the year because I just don't, the expectation sure. isn't there. <clears throat> so how about this? So um, the, the island hole, where is that? TPC? TPC uh, number yeah, 17. Do you know seven. anybody that's birdied that hole? Yeah. No, it's 17. Yeah. yeah. It's you. number 17. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was me. Yeah, that was nine you. iron. That was okay. nine iron. Let me, do you have time? I'll tell you about it. Go ahead. Well, I, I, I birdied it as well, 17. It's the replica hole at uh, Wooden Sticks. Hit a, Did anyone hit it in the water? Yes, everybody else. It's Actually, kind of funny when they do. Yeah. It's kind of funny when they do. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know why it's funny, but it really is. Yeah, but I, I, and I'm not bragging. It's just fact. I almost jarred it. Like my ball mark was like two inches from the hole. So I had a tap in birdie, which was nice. Nice. Um, and then followed it up with a, so wheat drive on 18 little punch uh 60 degree to eight feet birdie birdie finish oh and those are your last two holes of the year yeah oh you know what that is you're sucked back in for next year you can't (laughs) wait to start (laughs) we'll see i might try and squeeze one more out as well all right buddy thanks for getting up early and we'll check back again on friday Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for Steve uh, Steos for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you again on Friday. 
Thank you to our sponsors who continue to support Ray and Dregs and make the podcast possible. Our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey and Tim Hortons. As always, thanks to you for listening, rating, sharing the podcast, and for following us on our Ray and Dregs YouTube channel. Till next time, episode four. Stay safe, everybody.